Thank you for joining us. It's our mission to restore hope and make a positive difference in your life today. Remember to hit subscribe so you can be the first to know when we release new content. Let's go now to today's message. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for your timing tonight. Let it go forth out of me into this room according to the way that your design would be. In Jesus' name, amen. As the Lord has called a young Jeremiah as a prophet to the nations, we know that Jeremiah went on to prophesy to a stiff-necked people for over 40-plus years. And this was the beginning of the commission of Jeremiah. He said, I, for, I knew you before I even formed you, Jeremiah. This is where we have got to get the understanding that God had a plan before there was ever a seed. Ah, I didn't come to preach that, but I could. God had a plan and a purpose before he ever had the position of a seed. He said, I knew you before I ever formed you in your mother's womb. And Jeremiah was concerned because he was young. What might the people say? Will they even receive anything that I would have to say because of my age, because of this, because of that? And all of a sudden, the Lord begins to transition Jeremiah in this moment as he says but I've ordained you to be a prophet to the nations not just one nation but nations plural he said I've ordained you to speak to the world and then he goes on into training ground and God asked Jeremiah a question in 111 he said what do you see I came tonight to ask you that simple question what do you see in this day and in this hour what is it that you are positioning your heart to because where your heart is is where the treasure is and where your treasure is is what you're looking at and as God began to retrain his thought process he's saying I knew you before I ever formed you so let me remind you I've already ordained and established you to be a prophet an oracle of God to nations and now I'm going to train you Jeremiah what do you see if God asked you that question tonight, what do you see? You would say a crazy, frizzy-headed blonde. Maybe a blonde. What do you see tonight? My husband posed a very powerful question on Sunday. He said, can we see it when we haven't seen it? Can we believe it when it has not yet been seen? Jesus said, blessed are those who believe and have never seen. Why is it that we are in a generation that has to put our eyes on it, put our fingerprints to it before we will ever believe that it's actually a God stance in our life? It is almost as if the Lord is training the prophets in this position. We remember in Ezekiel 37, he asked him the question, can these bones live? And when God positions you with the question, it's not because he wants to know what you have to say. He's saying, are we ready yet to perform the word? 
And Jeremiah spoke out very quickly. And he said, I see a branch of an almond tree. And I said, I see a branch of an almond tree. And the Lord said, you have seen well. When God asks us what we are seeing, he's asking, come into alignment with what I'm showing you. Can you see past all the ideologies of man? Can you see past all the textbooks? Can you see past all the naysayers? who say you can't do it all the people who say you're too young and you're too crazy you're too skinny you're too fat you're too this you're too loud you preach when you you know you scream it ain't preaching that's nonsense can you still see what i'm seeing in a day in an hour where the enemy is squashing over us what do you see tonight he said i see an a branch of an almond tree now, here's what's interesting about an almond tree, okay? They are the first fruit of Israel. They are the first fruit that you will see begin to bloom in the season of spring in Israel. And so I love this because it is positioning things in a way to say there's a first fruit seed coming to pass, Jeremiah. And we often see and the theologians say that this almond branch was a position of the destruction that was coming. Jeremiah had a very hard job. He was uh, literally standing against Babylon and, and the kings who turned their hearts from God. He walked around with a yoke upon his neck and he said this is the way you're going to be led out but this almond branch reminded me of a story in numbers in 17 now we can flip there for just a second somebody say God is ready to perform his word which means that he is on his throne. The Bible says that his eyes are always upon you. His eyes never leave you. You actually, we know Israel, but you've been engrafted into a people. You are an apple of his eye. His eyes do not leave you. And he's saying to Jeremiah, I'm ready to do my word. He's saying, I'm standing watch over the word that I've spoken to see that it shall come to pass. So when God speaks a prophetic word, he stands wondering, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with the word that I've spoken? Because it will come to pass, be it through you. If you reject it, I'll give it to your neighbor. He stands guard and watches his word. And he is in a day that he is ready for it to fully come to pass. Numbers in 17, we see a very powerful story. It is uh, in a day and an hour where there was a lot of murmuring and complaining that took place. We know that the, the Levites were the chosen uh, people for the priesthood. And I'm going to tell you why they were the chosen of the priesthood in Moses' law day. Uh, and the sons of Korah came up against the leadership of Aaron and Moses. They didn't like the way they led. They actually reared a rebellion against them. They did not like that God had chosen them. And to be honest, Moses and Aaron were standing going, we know, we don't know why God chose us. 
Here's the beautiful thing about the kingdom. Don't get so high and mighty that you have to defend yourself. You know why? Because he's standing watch and he'll bring to pass what he wants to bring to pass. When God says something, it sticks in this day, in that day, and in the days to come. When he releases a word, it shall be because he is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. And and we are here as leaders in this day, in this house, speaking to a people saying, do not feel the need to go defend yourself when all hell is rebelling against what God has said set in motion for you to do or where God has sent you to go. Don't stand in the midst of it. Don't even give ear to it. Let God handle it. And this is what we're about to read in number 17. The rebellious rose up in the leadership. They were angry that they were the ones that Aaron and his sons were the chosen ones to handle the priesthood, even though they were also a Levite who operated in the priestly things. And the Bible says that Moses prayed and interceded and God opened the ground and swallowed 250 of them. You know why? Because he stands watch over his word. There are numerous accounts of rebellion rising up in this day of Moses in the wilderness. No wonder there was such trouble and uh, lacking of movement in the wilderness because there's nothing like a point of contention, confusion, uh, uh, a complaining spirit to keep everything standing still. So in Numbers in 17, we see this is right after There's another rebellion, the complaints of the people. The next day, all the congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. And so God has just had enough because he was ready to have movement. He was ready to perform what he had commissioned, brought them out of forward movement into the position that he had set before them. And he says it like this, speak to the children of Israel and from them a rod of their father's house that all the leaders according to their father's house they brought in 12 rods each write the man's name on his rod and you shall write Aaron's name on the rod of Levi now I'm not preaching this because my husband's name is Aaron nobody's been complaining against this house that ain't even what I'm here for we're going to get there we're going to release an anointing in the room so I want to shut that devil up right there For you shall write Aaron's name on the rod of Levi, for there shall be one rod for the head of each father's house. And then you shall place them in the tabernacle of meeting before the testimony. Say before the testimony. Where I meet you, and it shall be that the rod of the man whom I choose will blossom. Thus, I will rid myself of the complaints of the children of Israel, which they make against you. Do you know why that God says vengeance is mine, says the Lord? Why we need to not be so quick to go defend ourselves and our position and our anointing and the call of God upon our life? Because God settles accounts when you don't even know what he's doing. He 
said, bring it before me in the tabernacle and before the testimony. Now, I'm going somewhere. Go get me that rod, Aaron. You see, I want you to picture this. This wasn't exactly like the rod that he carried. Uh, they wrote their name on. It was probably more like a long stick from a tree. But much like that Moses had a rod, I believe that each tribe had a rod of authority because they all had a position and a placement in the movement of what God was doing. Maybe it did look like this, but here's what I want to ask you tonight. If God told you and you had a rod that symbolized your house and God said, go write your name on it and there's going to be a blossoming out of one of these rods, how many naysayers would be in the room? You know why? Because this thing is dead. There's no life in it. It is dried up. It has not been attached to anything of growth. It is just a rod. And so as God said, one of them is going to have a blossom on it. I just wonder, not that they hadn't seen God do supernatural things, but God was saying, I'm about to bring fruit over a night season because the complaining of man has pushed me to the limit that I'm getting ready to show up and speak and set this thing I'm about to draw a line where man said I'm this you're that they're saying what you are and what you're not God said watch me you know why because he said I am the vine you're the branch and when you come together in me what we bear much fruit so as they brought 12 rods before the tabernacle of meeting, they left it overnight. Now I want you to picture this because some of you have been in the darkest season of your life. Some of you have literally been in a night season. Some of your finances have been depleted. Some of your children are being fought so desperately and you don't even know what you're going to do or the next encouraging word that you can give them. It has been an all-out war of darkness over many in the house of God. And yet, while it's dark, God is still blooming. While it's a dark season and the enemy thinks it's a season of decrease, God said, watch me bring increase out of nothing they thought you weren't attached to anything they thought you didn't have anything good but they forgot how deep your root system goes it's not because man said it it's because his word has declared it and so as God is saying you you just lay there let let me do my work even when it's dark let me do my work even when it's night season See, the enemy, when it's night season, he brings in terror. He brings in fear. He causes you to lay awake at night worrying about all the things that you can't fix. You can't make the call because the business is closed. Everybody else might be asleep and you're mad about something while somebody else is just... He said, I am the God who never slumbers, nor do I sleep. My question is, can you allow me to handle your position in front of the Ark of Testimony? Can you allow me? What was dead and dried up 
and not attached to anything in that day and in that season not only blossomed, but it produced almonds, which almonds typically take over two years to even produce one almond. So do you think it was just a thing that God was like, oh, cute. I'm not only going to allow it to sprout a green thing. I'm going to allow it to produce fruit. No, these people knew that if fruit was coming on that, God must really be doing something in this day. And it wasn't just any fruit. It was a first fruit. It was a first fruit offering laid at the altar in front of the tabernacle of testimony. He said, I'm doing a work in the midst of testament that no man will be able to take credit for, and yet they will not be able to deny I'm shutting up every naysayer. And as they walk in and they see the first fruit on the blossom, it was pretty plain. Aaron shall be the high priest and his sons. Somebody in this room who has been waiting and waiting and waiting and you have tried to position it, you have tried to fight the battle, you're wondering how this is going to come out of the wash. God is saying, can you leave it with me overnight? Or are you going to come to the altar one more time, lay it down, get your fix, fall out, shout hallelujah, and then, man, I forgot this. You know why? Because we love controversy, don't we? I'll be honest, I like a little bit of it. I'm always up for a good fight. So the Lord established the Levites right here. And he said, they are my people, and this settles it. And you know that previously the Levites were a people of anger. Some of you have walked in such anger issues that you wonder, could God ever cleanse me and do anything great in me? I get too angry. Do you know that the Levites at one point or time, their daughter was raped. They had every reason to be filled with, not their daughter, their sister Dinah was raped. And, and they went with vengeance and they slayed every person in Shechem in the village because they were so enraged with anger and it wasn't that God doesn't love justice remember the foundation of his throne is let's not forget it is justice but it's also righteousness and he was saying Levites you just messed up because you're saying we put more trust in our vengeance than yours so the Levites were not a pure, uh, perfect people. But I want to tell you right now why God said, you know what? You're, you are my people. You're the people that I will establish in this day and in this hour. And right here's why. Because when Moses came down off the mountain and there had been a golden calf created, they were the only ones to not bow. They were the only ones. The only tribe that when Moses stood up in, in just, oh, he said, who is on the Lord's side? The Levites were the only ones that came to the side of Moses that day. And that was the determining factor of God saying, okay, I can trust you to not bow 
to idols. You are on my side, and when you're on my side, sometimes you even get to walk with me in war and in battle. But more importantly, I need you to tend to the holy things of my tabernacle and my temple. But tonight, as I'm getting ready to dig into this about a Levite anointing that God began to speak and tell me to release in this day and in this hour, I'm not setting back time and trying to bring something on that Jesus broke, but it is a part of what is missing in the house of God. A reverence that they walked in and a fear that they shuddered at the thought of disobeying God. And God said, listen, this means so much to me. I want it inside the ark of the covenant because let it be a reminder to anybody that would rear their head to say well I want this position I'm I'm mad because I didn't get that I'm not at the front of the line I didn't get to sing a solo today they didn't ask me to preach I didn't get asked to pray the prayer today God's saying let me remind you of what I'm doing put it in the box and those people shuddered with fear saying great God's going to kill us now Which is not a funny thing when you understood what they have witnessed. So I just want to break this down. Let's talk about what was in the Ark of the Covenant. Who knows tonight? Who knows what was in the Ark of the Covenant? The Ten Commandments, manna in the gold bowl, and Aaron's rod. There were three things inside of that box. And we always talk about, oh, we talk about the presence of God. And those things were chosen to be put in the box because God did supernatural things. And all of that is true. But I want to present something tonight of why those things were in the ark of testimony. Because when the tablets first came down off the mountain, I already told you, they were worshiping a golden cow that they created with their own hands. And the first tablets were broken. And because of their uh, lack of patience and their disobedience and their self-fulfillment, 3,000 died that day. Number one, God's saying, remember these laws. Not because I know you can uphold them, but because you're still here to attempt to live by them. Let's remember about the manna. Why did God put manna in the ark of testimony? Was it because it literally rained food all those days and they were able to eat it? Let's recall why potentially it was in the ark of testimony. Because there was a day when the children of Israel began to rise and complain and say, we miss the the vegetables, the leeks and the onions of Egypt. Oh, what it would be like. Oh, man, I used to love me a rum and Coke. Oh, I used to love going downtown to the clubs. The Lord said, cool, you want meat? You just brought us here to die and eat manna for the rest of our life. Did you just bring us here to have bland worship? No, not in this house. Did you just bring us here just to be boring? Hallelujah. He said, oh, you want some meat? Here's quail. The ground was covered with quail. And the people were so gorging themselves that thousands of them died 
because they decided to eat rotted meat over the manna. So I believe the golden bowl of manna was another reminder. Guess what? You remember that day? You saw it. And you are still here to live and tell about it. You're a witness. You should have been dead. But look, I let you live. And then Aaron's rod, because 250 in the clan of Korah, and then right before we jump into chapter 17, more murmuring, more complaining against leadership, over 4,000 of them died. And the Lord is saying, let it go into the Testament to prove once again, I let you live today. See, the enemy wants you to stop reminding everybody else and yourself that I got a testimony. That the testimony is not to glorify you. The testimony is to remind yourself, God let me live when I didn't deserve to live. God let me live when I should have overdosed. God let me live when I was out of my mind and decided to go the opposite way of what he said. And I remember the day when God said, honey, go build an ark. You heard me say it. I thought I was building a boat until this weekend. God said, you go build an ark. And then I'm reminded of the ark of testimony, the ark of the covenant. There are people who are still looking for it today because they believe that's where the presence of God resides. But the Bible says, know ye not that you are the temple dwelling of the Holy Ghost of God. His power resides on the inside of you and the enemy would keep you silent in your testimony because Satan said, oh, it's invalid. Oh, it don't matter. Oh, I don't have a crazy testimony, so that's that's really not that important. No, but there were many days that we shouldn't be here, and yet here we are. The Bible says in the book of Revelation that they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. How are you going to overcome Satan? But let's not forget the last part. And they did not love their life unto death. Which means I decided long ago that though you slay me, (laughs) yet I will live. Which means that that word witness, that word testimony is the same Greek word as martus, which literally means martyr. My life for yours. Me carrying the testament of God on the inside of me. Not defiling or ruining my testimony because I decided to go back to Egypt. I decided to do what made me feel good in that momentary pleasure. God's saying, are you going to continue to defile my presence? Oh, this is fun. I haven't even got off my, let me, let me get to my notes. I ain't even got... Let's see where we're at. What do you see tonight? What do you see? Because as this almond branch is producing fruit, I'm reminded that the New Testament tells us that Jesus Christ is the first fruit of many brethren. 
I believe that the Lord was making an establishment that yes, y'all are not the final thing here. You are not my end game plan. I have a plan that will be settled once and for all. But can you do what I've called you to do in the hour I've called you to do it? Can you? His word has been tested. It's been tried. But yet in the midst of complaining, in the midst of frustration, God's vengeance still comes down. But may we never forget that on that ark of the covenant, all of those sins and all of those transgressions against God was under the mercy seat, which where the priest went in and sprinkled blood and that blood dripped down to the mercy seat covering the sin and the shame of the people of Israel. But they still carried the box even though it had their sin under the blood in it. Somebody needs to know that the enemy's tactic is to silence you and put a gag order on your life. But God is saying, if you will allow my presence to live on the inside of you, come under the blood, come under my mercy seat, I will turn what the enemy meant for evil for good. Why? Because there are much people to save alive. But we just give little cute parts of our testimony, don't we? cute parts now, I ain't asking you to get up here and tell every gory detail but what I am saying is when you are met face to face with somebody who has walked walking in what you've walked out of do you ignore it somebody who's on their way to destruction and hell and you have the key to lock them out of it unlock them out of it do you sit there in silence None of this is even in my notes. We have a high priest who was tested in every single way. And as the Lord began to release, I think some of you are going to sleep tonight. And he began to say, I am bringing a portion of the Levite priesthood back in this day, it's good and ready to come alive. And I begin to think about how we are always talking about being a part of the tribe of Judah. Judah, the front lines in warfare, Judah produced kings. We all want to be the king, don't we? <laughs> but in the New Testament, when the scripture says in Peter that you are a priesthood, not just a priesthood, it says you are a royal priesthood. Let's just get that scripture so you can write it down. First Peter 2 and 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you, listen, out of darkness... <laughs> out of the night season, out of the sadness, out of the complaints, out of the naysayers, out of the people who said you could never do anything for God. You are that royal chosen priesthood people that I have pulled out of the night season and brought you in to my marvelous light. The New Testament also tells us that we're not just going back to the priesthood of the Levites, but we're going back to Melchizedek. Why? Because Melchizedek was both king and priest. Jesus was both king 
and priest and a prophet. And so as the word of the Lord went forth and Abram brought a tithe to Melchizedek, the priest in the book of Genesis, it says that the priest brought out the wine and he brought out the bread. He not only just took the tenth of the increase, but he also poured back in what had been depleted. I'm telling you, this is a word that has been burning in my heart. And as God is saying, we all want to be served, but in the day and hour we're living in, we got to serve. We all want the, if it, if it, if it serves me, I'm cool with it. But you do one thing to rub somebody the wrong way because God said so. And you find out what really is in there. Being a royal priesthood, the Levites literally gave their life to serve in the temple and in the tabernacle. They literally lived their life according to what God had established. They did not have their own land, their own territory, but yet God gave them cities. It's true. Let's just look at this. The Levi principal roles in the temple included singing. They sang psalms during worship. We thought that was only Judah, right? They performed construction and maintenance in the tabernacle and the temple of God. Listen, this is what got me. They served as guards of the gates. And I thought, and I asked the Lord, why has this never been brought to my attention before? And the Lord said, because you've never been a guard of a gate before. See, God positions you and then he reminds you what he's called you to do. As God spoke the word through Pastor Greg DeVries, I don't know how many years ago, and he said, I see your people as the guards of the North Gate. I was like, what in the world is that? Your church is directly off of I-65. I said, no, it's not. It's off of 386. He, he said, no. So the Levites, it was their job to open gates. And it was also their job to close gates. They were literally the guards of, not the galaxy, the gate. They were teachers. They were judges. They maintained and provided cities of refuge. I want you to understand what God is doing. This is a teaching. Don't miss this. Don't get it twisted because I'm not prophesying or preaching you happy right now. I'm trying to instruct you to remind you why we're here tonight. What God is doing and the position that he called us to do before we ever knew each other. Before he ever brought us out of the womb. He had a plan that on this night we would be sitting here being reminded of the position and the call of God that we have a duty to uphold. So they were not only the worshipers and the singers, they were the guards of the gate. They were the teachers. They were the judges. Somebody loves that job. 
They maintained and provided cities of refuge. They moved and were solely responsible of when God said it's time to move the tabernacle. It's time to move the tent. The Levites were the ones who said we're going to make sure that everything gets transitioned and transplanted. Not one thing left behind and not one thing damaged. They made it their job to obey the word of the Lord to be in the position that he called them to be in. They moved the tabernacle when God said to move. They were zealous in protecting the law of Moses, even in the face of the threat to bow. Mm -mm -mm. Who is on the Lord's side today? Who is on the Lord's side? Numbers 18 says that they shall keep guard over the tent of meeting, all the service of the tent, all the service of the tent, keeping guard over the sanctuary and over the altar. The Levites are a gift given by the Lord to do service. Not to be served. That's the thing when Jesus said, I didn't come to be uh, served, but I came to serve. You know why? Because he came as the royal high priest. Right here. They were not the give me people. They were the what do you want me to do? Not how can you serve me today? Because if it don't serve me, I ain't in it. Or how can I serve you today how can I serve you today Yahweh that was their mission and was their life Jeremiah 33 says that the seed of David and all the Levites listen who minister unto the Lord will be multiplied offering your life as a holy sacrifice unto him ministering Unto the Lord, build an ark, people of God. Build an ark, not a replica to be worshipped, but a reminder of every time that you shouldn't be here in this room, and yet here you are. You see, I, I, I'm reminded that we are living in a day where everybody wears it as a badge of honor, but they do not allow the transformation of the power of God to come alive on the inside of them. I'm not talking about complaining about all that you've been through and all that's happened to you, but I'm talking about standing transformed because the word of the Lord has been diligent to fulfill what he set it out to feel over your life he broke me open he cleansed me he set me on my way and established the way that I should go and as the Lord said yes I am a Melchizedek order we're going all the way back a king but yet a priest he said my church has lacked reverence in this day my church has lacked servanthood in this day and yet I am pouring out an anointing not to be served but to come to serve not to be worshipped, but say, Lord, I worship you and you alone. Not to bow to idle calves of ideologies, but to say, God, the only one that will get my praise and my hallelujah or my I don't like you, Satan, I'm not giving you glory. I'm going to talk to the Father and say, handle this for me. I'll go to the night season, not to pick it back up, but I'll lay it there and let you handle it. I'm going to let you handle it. The Bible says, be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. 
We hope you enjoyed this word. If you would like to hear more messages like this one, please take a second and click the subscribe button. And for more information on our ministry, please visit us at rhctn.com.